Good morning, everybody. Thank you. We got some people up on the balcony today. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, their voices haven't changed yet. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> I was just wondering. I was just, just checking out. It's good to see you all. Thanks for uh, being here today. On uh, what are you doing? So last week he called, told me I was balding. Today Sean hands me a napkin with skeletons on it. So well, I okay. I cut myself shaving this morning. No, I really did. So I can do this all day. But it's just still going to be here. You know how they, they take things and they put, is this better? There are just certain days where like you shave and all of a sudden you're like, of course, this is the day I shaved. I only shave a couple times a week to be up. I don't know what to do with this right now. So. That was not in my notes. Um, as Rob mentioned, six months ago, it was a stormy Sunday night. We were wondering if people were still going to come, uh, but we had a huge meal together. It was an amazing meal, and we sat in this room, um, this beautiful, newly remodeled room, and you allowed me to share some things about vision and share some things that I was hoping for this church, and our focus was to tell ourselves the truth. And we're going to continue to do that today. This challenges as a church, and then we prayed, and I made a promise to you that night that I'm going to fulfill today. Eight months ago, we gathered together in this room as the first service in our newly remodeled place. And we prayed prayers of what he called indifference, which seems kind of like a weird phrase to say, like, how do you pray indifferently? Well, it's praying that God's will be done for this church in this place. 68 years ago, this building was constructed and began to house the praises of this people, the praises of the Lord. 75 years ago, this church began with a group of people gathering on January 4th, 1948. And in between that day and this day, a lot has happened. So many amazing things have happened through the ministry and people of God's church on Los Gatos Boulevard. People have come to know Jesus. People have served. People have practiced generosity or passionate about local and overseas ministries. People rejoice together. Basically, this has been a place where God's name has been praised. People have changed. People have moved. Some of you have aged a little bit. <laughs> I have aged a lot of bit. I used to have a goatee. Maybe I should grow it back so that I don't have to shave. <laughs> but today we celebrate because this church remains about Jesus. Buildings have been built. Those same buildings have been torn down. New buildings have been built. And on and on. When you look about the history of a church, some people point to who the pastors were at that time. Some people point to who, which they, who they wish the pastor was now. Oh, come on, that was funny. 
Some people point to the ministries, the trips, the events, the memories. Some remember the amazing joys. Some remember some of the deep pain and hurt and mourning, maybe of those who aren't here anymore. Some people long to go back, and some people can't wait to move forward. And I would say if going back or going forward makes us more about Jesus, then I say yes, 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 yes. But if it's about being anything different than that, then I would say no, no, no. How many yeses did I have? No. As Jesus said to his disciples. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not prevail. Has been taken several ways. Some see it as a proof that the church, this church, will always succeed and will not be defeated. And Matthew does assume that the church will continue. But gates sometimes are used metaphorically. And I think in this way, gates stick to a city or to a temple or prison. They're more like defensive structures. So what was Jesus saying about these gates? Well, hell's defenses will not and cannot thwart the church's progress. So here's the key. This church, the church, will advance and prevail through the confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Do you hear me? This church, the church, will prevail when we declare that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. When you think about what a church should celebrate or what a church should be in all the events, and there are amazing things and memories, but the greatest thing to celebrate and the future of a hope and the future progress of any place, of any place that's about Jesus, is declaring who he is. As we talked about last week, this is one of the significant reasons that Jesus was so upset when he gets to the courtyard of the temple and he sees all of these things happening because the world came to get a, a glimpse of God. The world came to engage with God and this outer court was the place they could all be. And when they came to engage with God, what they saw was busyness and business and activity alone, and that's the view they got of God. So Jesus is like, my father's house will not be a house of busyness, will not be a house of business, will not be a house where things are just done and activities, but my house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a place that when people come, they see my father. Prayer. It's actively communing with God. It's not just being around the stuff of God. So today, we gather as Jesus' church, the head, as the head of this church. This is his church. And as we go forward today in today's message, if you will, this 
message is a church participation message. This doesn't just mean you yell random things at me because that already happens on a regular basis. We will have times today where you will be able to audibly proclaim the greatness of God. We will take literal action on Paul's words. In fact, let's all read these words together from Romans 12. Read with me. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So this morning, there will be times of honoring some people. There will be time to stand as a symbol of praising God for his goodness to you. And we will stop and praise God with you. So church, be ready to surround those who things are good things are happening. So get ready to surround them and pray and thank God for the things happening in their life. We'll have a time, and I know this takes incredible vulnerability, where you can indicate that you're hurting, that you're mourning, that you've experienced some pain. So church, be ready to surround those who indicate that and offer prayer. And finally, I'll fulfill my promise to you that I made last February by giving you a mid-year update on the steps that I laid out. Because it's one thing to say something, and then sometimes it can just drift away. My heart this morning is to say, this is how we're doing. Here is also where we're going. This includes two significant things that we've been working on and implementing, and these are things I have longed for for this church for a long, long time. So for those of you who are used to a routine, you kind of have the message down, like Dale has a funny story, he gets real serious, he cries a little bit, he closes in prayer, because you also know like, hey, there's like five minutes left, the game is on, there's no game on today. <laughs> I intentionally did this on a non-49er day. Do you think I'm stupid? And I don't want to miss the game either. <laughs> this might feel a little disorienting to you. For those of you who have expectations, well, this is what a message from the pastor should feel like. This may or may not fill your expectations. Good. <laughs> it might be better than anything you could ever expect. Probably not. And those of you who are new wondering, what is this guy doing up there? Hang on. All right, are you ready? Come on. I mean, if you're not, go, if you're not ready, say, no, forget you. Come on, All right, there we go. You didn't stand a chance against Sean right there. Brief story. I was a little confused about how this was all going to come together. A few nights ago, in the middle of the night, I'm having this dream. I have no idea uh, what this meant at the time, but I woke up, and in my dream, I was telling, apparently I was in charge of the youth group again. It was horrifying. For them, not for me. 
and not telling them, hey, we're reading Psalm 66. We're reading Psalm 66. Turn in your Bible to six, Psalm 66. They even made a joke, like, not Psalm 666, 66. Like, this was my dream. I woke up, and I'm like, what in the world does Psalm 66 say? I had no idea. And then I read it, and I'm like, this is the most beautiful psalm for today. Thank you, God. Now, for those who are like, what else did you dream about? Last night, I dreamt about pizza. So it's not always this deep thing. But if one of you wants to give me a pizza machine, maybe God's going to move in your heart today. <laughs> Let's read the opening of Psalm 66 together. Read with me. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Church, let's literally do this now. It's one thing to gather as a church and me to tell you, here's all the things you should do during the week and during the month, and by Tuesday you forgot. Let's do this now. Let's give praise to God right now. I, we've done this before sometimes. We're just going to yell, yell out or quietly. I know some of you are introverted, so it's okay just to go, <laughs> if you want to. I know introverted people can yell. I'm not going to tell you how I know that. I just know they can. Come on, people. Praise you, Jesus. Let's praise God. Say things like, God, you are who wants to start? Awesome. Faithful. Omnipotent. You are a healer. Magnificent. Come on, I know there's more than that. Got to get a shout out from the balcony. They all left, apparently. <laughs> we love you, Jesus. Hmm. 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 Peacemaker. Thank you. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. Amen. Forgiving. Holy. Prince of Peace. Compassionate. Couple more. Forgiving. Mighty Counselor. You are the healer. Restorer. Head of the body of the church. Head of the body of the church. The living God. Merciful, Father. Heavenly Father, Redeemer, Redeemer. My Father. Protector, Protector. Hmm. Holy One of Israel, Amen. Let's praise God together. Not bad for a bunch of Baptists. <laughs> Some of you.
uh, me, kind of. But I have an accelerator a little bit. Let's continue in Psalm 66. Read with me. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. Some of you have come in today and you're rejoicing today. Scripture very tell, clearly tells us rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And yet when we come to prayer so often, it's only when we're hurting. I believe we're not being the church. That is a significant piece, but we also need to say God has been good to me. God has been right with me. If God has been good to you, maybe it could be something that the world might see as small, but you see as big. Maybe you got married. That would be big. Maybe you're having a baby. Maybe something good happened. If you have come today and you are praising God for something good God has done in your life, will you stand up? Anybody? Praise God. Praise God. Church, will you pray for each other right now? Just in a moment, just turn and thank God out loud. Say, God, thank you for the goodness you've done. Just for a few moments. I know this is, this is confusing, but just let's just praise God for the good things he's done. God, I thank you, praise you that you have done good things in the lives of your people. Father, the fact that these people stood and to say, I praise God for this great thing, God, we give you glory and praise. As a church, we say thank you, thank you, thank you for the goodness that you have done for my friends and my family. I rejoice with them. Will you say out loud, I rejoice with you. Amen. You can have a seat. Told you this is audience participation time. <laughs> this one's a little tougher. But read with me the next section of Psalm 66. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. This one's a bit tougher. This is one where we say things like in church, like if you see someone hurting sometime this week, go pray with them. Or if you're hurting, maybe let somebody know if you want to. And that's fine. But as the church gathered, it would be remiss if we didn't take right now. Now, 
I struggled with this one. Like, how do I allow people, like, hey, I could use some prayer. I don't want to make you stand because I can feel isolating or shame, but I want the church and people around you to pray for you in this moment. Is there anybody who would just indicate, I'm, you don't have to even say what it is. I'm, I'm hurting right now. There's someone right here. We'll make sure some people are praying. I'm hurting right now. There's some tough things going on. Benny right here. And I'm pointing because I want people in the church to come around and pray for them. Right here. There's people right here. Anybody else who's just like, I could just use some prayer this morning. I'm hurting. I'm mourning way in the back. People look around because I'm about to say, Calvary, let's go pray for them. Is there anybody else who's just like, I'm hurting this morning. Something's gone on. It's been tough. Church, let's gather around few people. Benny right here. There's someone in the back. Let's just pray right now. We've got to mourn. We should mourn for those who are mourning and lift up prayers of, of God's help for people. This is what the church, this is what the courtyard should look like. So when people come, they see right here. Anybody else? Did we get you in the back? I know someone raised their hand for prayer. I just want to make sure people Right there. There's some, can anybody, is there someone in a blue shirt? But I can't see that far. I really should have. There's someone in the back. They just want prayer today. This isn't anything. They just want prayer. You don't even have to tell us what it is. Let's just lift up and pray over some people right now. Father, I, I join my brothers and sisters in prayer for those who have indicated they're hurting and those who maybe haven't, but they are. I pray for your healing hand to be upon them. I pray for miracles to happen. 
I pray for your spirit to fill them, to encourage them. God, you have said, Jesus, you have said in this world we will have trouble, but you have overcome this world, so we praise you for that. At the same time, God, as a church, we mourn for those who mourn. We hurt for those who hurt. We lift them up to you as the great Father, as the healer, as the controller of all things. God, help us to continue to be the church that you have called us to be, to pray for those in deep need and to hurt. Help us to be the church that raises our hand and says, I need some prayer right now. Things aren't going so well for me. So I just thank you for the boldness and I thank you for the courage that my friends here at Eve had asking for prayer. In your name, amen. Thank you. Church, when you allow, when you share the hurts in your life, I honestly believe this, you allow us to be the church. You allow us to be the church. Sometimes we, I do this as well. My phrase is often, I don't need you to worry about me. And people go, I'm not worried about you, I just care about you. And that's how we feel with you. You actually allow us to be the church when we open up our hands and say, hey, I need some prayer. We're actually able to do that. Read with me. Continue on with Psalm 66. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Isn't that a great words of assurance? God has listened and heard my prayer. Last February, we had a night of just vision and prayer. We gathered as a whole church and prayed for this next year. And the promise that I made is I would say halfway through the year, I was going to give you an update just to just how things are, the things we laid out and the things that we're moving forward with. The truth is, it's you that really know the progress of things in your own life, in the life of the church, and the things that you're experiencing. But some of the things that we laid out for us, and it fits with what we're still trying to do today, the challenge was kind of a three-part guide. The first one was this, to have the mindset of a church planner as we continue to rebuild and renew this church. The three things, the mindset of a church planner, we're rebuilding our church, and we want to bring renewal to our community. We talked about having the mindset of a church planner. What I'm not saying is that we're literally replanting the church. But I am challenging us to have the mindset. To not drift. To not assume. To not think somebody else is going to take care of this for me. When I look at church plants, people that are just starting a new ministry in their community... Some of the things that jump out are things like prayer, to talk with God about the community before we talk to the community about God. This should be our very core. To identify the idols of our society, to understand them so you can talk to them in a certain way that points to the gospel. To try new things and don't be afraid to fail. 
Whenever a group of people get into the mindset, well, what happens if we try this new and it doesn't work? That's not bold. Last night I was really nervous. I sat by my fire pit talking to my wife, and she goes, how do you feel about tomorrow? I'm really anxious. I go, because I have never given a message like this before. But then I reminded myself, you try new things. You do new things. Because at the end of the day, if we prayed more, what do we got to lose? And you hang on to Jesus, not things. Let go of sacred cows. Personally, what this means for me is I embracing the call that God has placed on my life to pastor this church, but also pastor this town. I love and deeply care for each person that comes through the doors. Even though I don't know you as well, I want to pastor you. But I also feel a call to pastor this community. And let me tell you something. Each day that I'm on the football field at Los Gatos High School, though I have a great relationships with my players, this community needs Jesus. And each day that I do a ride-along with the police as a, a chaplain of the police department, I drive the same roads I drive all of the time, but have a different lens through the eyes of a police officer of what's really happening in some of the parts of our town. This town deeply needs Jesus. And this town deeply needs a church that doesn't play church, that doesn't focus on the institutions of church, but focus on the house of the Lord being a place of prayer and hope for the world. Friends, you're called to do the same. This cannot be just on me because I will crumble. I get tired. I get tired even if I didn't have MS. I have MS, so I get more tired. So help me. Will you help me? Well, we'll, we'll see. We're not looking for a new trend or a new structure. Because the church that is relevant for people for the past 2,000 years is a church that gathers around the table together. It's a church that loves their neighbors. It's a church that follows the ways and the words of Jesus. That's the church that lasts. But rebuilding our church takes increased engagement from all of us. People intentionally engaging with people. We talked about this last February. But one of the things that we wanted to do really, really well is that when people come here, we engage with them. One of the ideas is to create a set of ambassadors, that we call them, of different age groups and stages of life that would be the front people connecting with new people. Pastor Rob mobilized and recruited those people, and we have some people that are actively the ambassadors of Calvary Church whose job and role that they're doing so well that when they are, people are new, they get a call, they get engaged with. If you're like, hey, I never got one of those people, talk to Rob. It's his fault. I'm just kidding. Rob's just walking in the back right now. Yeah, he's pointing at me. Fill out a Connect card. That's the way we know. But we have a group of people. We're moving forward with that. New Alpha groups started. An emotional, healthy relationship group started. People intentionally engaging with people. Secondly, knowing each other in order to begin to loving each other. I laid out last February that we were going to teach a series on emotional, healthy relationships. The result, we did. Check. I had a lot of conversations with a lot of you. Some of you were like, 
deeply, deeply, deeply moved as you understood family of origin, as you understood relationships, as you understood what health really could be. That's a significant piece. Some of you are like, it sounded like psychology to me, and you pushed away. And I understand. But one of the major things that churches are called to do and Christians are called to do is what? Love one another. Forgive one another. Be kind to one another. And what I see in this world is a lot of unloving, unkind, unforgiving Christians. So if we push away things that are simply feeling like, ah, oh, that's kind of like best practice, it's actually biblical. Engage with one another. We talked about building a place of relationships and real community, person to persons on Sundays and away from the building of engaging with one another. You can see on the card that we handed out some of the results of our, our annual survey. And you can see on the card, our survey tells us that the majority have met and remember names connecting with each other. But this is the one that you know if you feel like you're reaching out or being reached out to. This is a two-way street. Remembering people's names. What are people experiencing when they come to the courts of God? Another thing we talked about is increased engagement from all of us in our financial partnership. Each and every week, we say the generosity creed. So maybe unlock some things in our hearts and our minds. And this, week, this creed has become our weekly declaration, a reminder of the greater call for all of us to practice the generosity of Christ together. And last February, I shared that 75% of people who come to Calvary or call Calvary home don't give at all or just give very sporadically. You see, participation isn't a mark of having a lot. It's a mark of having anything at all, as we know from even the widow's mite who gave just a little bit of what she had. I challenged us to have increased engagement together. I challenged people to say, like, if you give annual, consider giving quarterly, and if you give quarterly, consider giving monthly, and you're like, well, what if the end result is the same? I understand that. But I really believe as a church, it's the regular engagement that I was trying to unlock some things in all of us. And we're moving on that. We're moving forward. And each fall, we would get into this spot where all of a sudden I become a fundraiser, hoping to say things in the right way to get the right amount of money, and that's just not who I want us to be ever. But as you can see in the card, a lot of you have indicated now that you have increased your engagement of giving this year. And currently, by praising God, praising God for this, we are 12.5% ahead of last year, meaning... Last year, year to date, we're 12% ahead of that because you've started to give and you're engaging. And that is great, great movement for us as a church. When I saw that, I applauded, so you can or you don't have to. As we head into the fall, as we head into this fall, I encourage you to be consistent to having a rhythm of giving and partnering together. Some people, some pastors, so whatever, they're afraid to talk about money. I'm not afraid to talk about money because I know what the generosity of Jesus has done in my own life. I'm just inviting you to enjoy it. It is a blessing that goes beyond comprehension, my friends. Jesus talked about money a lot, and if I'm called to be like Christ, I'm going to talk about the money a lot. I don't need your money. I don't want your money. But God's like, I gave it to you. Will you just share a little bit 
Because there's people in this room that we need to believe in. There's young people who need Jesus. There are people hurting. Let it be said of the Calvary Church, there was no need among them because people were open and generous for what they have. We talked about increased engagement and serving in our church. And you can reference, you can see on the card that as well. New people have signed up to serve, so thank you. This would be the part of the service, the sermon, where we're going to honor each other. It's biblical to honor each other, and I'm probably going to forget something here because you just do. Here's who I want to honor first. If you currently serve within our family ministries, with children in any way, with our middle schoolers, with our high schoolers, will you stand? Anybody serve there? Let's thank them. There's some people back there too. Thank you for serving in our, to our kids, to the students. On a personal level, I have wept in my office this past year, weeping for families in this town and in our church. Church, we have to get this right. We have to get this right. Our kids are not just the future, they are the present. We are called. Jesus consistently says, be like a child. If you don't spend any time with children, you don't know what to be like a child is. Let's do this well. So thank you for serving. If you serve, this is kind of a big catch-all here. If you serve within hospitality and compassion, meaning you're a greeter, you're in the parking lot, you're coffee, you're ambassadors, you host a small group, a Bible study, serve at the House of Hope, recovery ministries, will you stand? Church, stand up. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a bit biased, but I think the best greeter is right over here. <laughs> if you serve with tech or music, or you teach with me, you, you, the sports ministry, you drive buses, or anything else that you do around here, will you stand? <laughs> yes. Thank you. But let me stop for a minute and bring some honor to people who have served so selflessly for so many years as we celebrate 75 years. Now, a lot of you have been super faithful and have served for so long. So I just, but I wanted to just bring up, not bring up because they would not be happy with me if I brought them up. But I have a picture. <laughs> This first one is my friend, Mickey Masuda. This is Mickey and her cat. I don't know. She told me I could pick a photo, so this is the one I found on Facebook. Okay, whatever. I first met Mickey in 1998 when I was first hired here as the high school pastor. She was already a faithful volunteer ministering to students multiple times a week in small groups, Sunday mornings, one-on-ones, camps, mission trips. Mickey Masuda just finished 40 years 
of serving in our youth ministry. I remember going to San Francisco and ministering there for a few years, and some people would be like, Dale, I'm so burned out. And I'm like, oh, how long have you been serving? Like a month. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, maybe something else is going on. I cared and listened, but I go, let me tell you about my friend Mickey. And they're like, is she like a superhuman? Yes. If you were ministered to by Mickey as a student, as a fellow volunteer, as just a person in this church, if you were blessed by Mickey, will you just stand up for a moment so she can see? Awesome. Was that so painful, Mickey? Or not? I, I try to make it not. Here's another one. Jim and Sue Reynolds. Jim and... Jim and Sue have been serving in students' ministries, children's ministries, for over 37 years at Calvary Church. And they continue to. There's been a lot of seasons in their life of family coming and going. I had their kids in the youth group. I remember that season. Sue even came over, and when our daughter was a baby and we just needed help because Lisa was working and I was coaching and did all these things, she came over and even watched Anna for a bit. Their faithfulness and steadfastness through the seasons of their life and the life of this church is truly a blessing. If you were ministered to by Jim and Sue as a child, a student, a parent, as a fellow volunteer, or just a person in the church, Will you just stand up for a moment so they can see who they've blessed? I love it. Jan, will you come up? This is Jan Yount. I don't, I don't have a photo of Jan because she's right here. <laughs> Jan started on staff here in 1989. You were like 14 at the time, right? Two. Oh, you were two at the time. <laughs> Man, I tried to do well and I still offended her. Jan is serving the people of Calvary for 34 years. She's led children's ministry discipleship ministry, evangel ministries, house of hope ministries. She's been a pastor for so many of people here today. Jan has been sharing the truth of salvation for all of these years. For a lot of stretch of time, her office wall was on the other side of my wall. And though I can't hear everything going on, I can definitely hear when she's like, you need Jesus in your life. <laughs> When there was tougher situations, Jan would always say, I want to do that. I will take care of that. I will minister to that. Jan is retiring, and she's going to move close to her kids and grandkids, which I was so excited for her. Our loss is their great gain, but we're excited for you. 
We're going to miss her tremendously, and we're excited for her. Will you stand if you were ministered to, blessed by, personally pastored by Jan? Will you stand? I know. Jan, Jan's always going to give praise to God, and that's the rightful way, but you said yes to him, and you continue to say yes. Let's pray for Jan. Father, I thank you so much for Jan. God, I thank you for her saying yes to you and how you have formed her and shaped her and called her, that she has been so faithful, and she will continue to be faithful until all things that you've asked her to do. God, you have sustained her health. You have been her right hand. You have been behind her and in front of her. So God, we just thank you, and we thank you for this amazing woman. We ask that her paths would be clear, that you would be real in her life. We love you. In your name, amen. Thank you, Jan. Read the next section of Psalm 66 with me as we head down the home stretch-ish. Hold on, I just skipped ahead. Let me breathe for a sec. That was, that was, that was a part of the message. Like Dale cried, check. So there you go. You got, you got what you, you got what you wanted. Good for all of you. Let me start here. What's ahead of us? Like right now. As I said in February, we, we said this. We want all of our current members to re-up their membership, declaring, I am still here. Let's make this happen. I don't remember when it was, a year, year plus ago, we were in the other building, and I just had uh, people shout out, maybe the, what were the lies of the enemy? And one person shouted out, the lie of the enemy is that our best days are behind us. I think it's a lie. I think the best days are really, really, really good ones are still ahead of us. That's not to minimize great things of the past, but it's to simply say, what do we want to do? How are we going to do this? So I mentioned to the membership, to everyone, that there's going to be a time for re-upping. That time is right in front of us. In his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul writes about Christ, how Christ has united us spiritually, and that the local body of believers should see themselves as a physical body. Read this with me. There are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. How is this connected to being a member? Let me give you an example. And in order to be clear, I'm going to read a little bit here. You see, if you tragically lose a finger in some kind of accident, the finger is now referred to as being dismembered. It's no longer receiving the physical health and nourishment that the rest of the body is providing it. 
It is also no longer offers any help to the body that it once was a part of. But excuse the graphical nature of this, but in today's cultural moment of individualism and self-fulfillment, the church can often look like just a scattered dismemberment of body parts, not a body knit together as God's agent, his body, his kingdom at work in the world. Church, I don't think we could just be better. I think we have to be better. The assembling of the parts takes work. It takes deep movement of the spirit. It takes meaningful covenants and lives that are literally holy and living sacrifices to God and to each other. You see, this renewed and refreshed approach to being a member of Calvary Church is not something that is just for the sake of the church. It's also for the sake of each and every body part. Because of this, we're asking everyone who is currently a member and all who are interested in becoming a member to take this new course that we're putting out online and either make a renewed commitment to this place or one that is brand new to you. So some of you might be asking, do I have to be a member to come here? No, we are open to everyone to be here, to participate, to worship, to love. We're just saying there needs to be a group, a significant group to say, this is my church. Dale, I'm with you. I want to support you, and I want to support you as your pastor. You see, God holds me deeply accountable for sheep, for people who are at the church. And if I don't know who's with me, it's hard for me to know who God is holding me accountable to. Some of you might be saying, no, God's holding you accountable for every single person who walks in and out of these doors. To love them, yes. But the flock is different. I want to know who's with me. You see, it's common to confuse and conflate the institutional structures of a local church with the spiritual community of God's people. It's very possible to dedicate your time and your treasure and your talents to an institution called church, but yet you never fully know the love, joy, hope, and support that comes when you're united with God's people. You see, this refreshed membership process does not guarantee the latter, but its purposes are focused on the latter. And I know some of you have been faithful here for decades and decades and decades, and my hope is that you are so excited that we can all get back on the same page again and be the church again. But this also takes you laying down some of the things. Sometimes we find great pleasure and treasure, like I've been around here for 60 years, praise God, and what's God doing today in your life? This step is a significant huge step in our renewal and rebuilding of this church. So here's what's happening. One, a new membership course to align all current members and gives a clear pathway to become a member here. This course will include what membership is, the biblical support for membership, how the body works together, our statement of faith, implications of that statement of what we teach and how we do ministry and clear steps moving forward. Just like our, our biblical literacy course, it's an online course. It's all written. We're in the pr process of producing it right now. So it can be taken and watched at your own time on a lunch break. There's just different sections, 10-minute sections, 12-minute sections, 8-minute sections. It's something that will be transforming for you and our church. We will have this course available before October 1st. But you can get started, though. Now listen, please. 
It starts with, first of all, taking our biblical literacy course. Why? This is a prerequisite. It's not to make things harder or more difficult. I just think it is so important that as a church, we align ourselves at least how we're looking at Scripture. So far, over 160 of you have taken it or are in the process of taking this, and I've heard back from some of you how helpful it really, really is. Here's proof. My wife lives with me. She goes, I just finished. That was good. <laughs> I believe if we're on the same page, at least a common understanding of how we approach and teach God's word, it's going to be incredibly beneficial for all of us as members. As a part of this process, we're going to get groups together and just share your testimony a little bit, share what God has done in your life, who God is to your life. I think that too will be powerful. Here's the timeline. Our next annual meeting where we vote in new elders is this January. I don't want to kick the can down the road anymore. So this might feel a little truncated for you, but we're launching this now and would love to have new membership, renewed membership, as many people who want to step into this with us start now. If you haven't taken the biblical literacy course, that's step one. You can do that in the next few weeks. It's not that encumbersome. And then before October 1st, our new membership course will be released. You'll get to, you would know about that. You'll hear about that. The little trailer for it is already online at calvaryology.com courses. You can get an update on that. Our idea and our hope is that we can do this together. If there's anything, now hear me. If there's anything any of you need help with, technology issues, mobility issues, time issues, Please, 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 please let us know. All right? We will help. We will partner with you. We will show up with a computer. Once again, Rob Robinson promised me he would do that. So if you want to see Rob. <laughs> now hear me. With the goal of having emotionally healthy conversations, please let us know how we can help. Questions like, did you even ever think of this, is not that helpful. What is helpful is, here's my situation. Can I get a little help? Yes, that's healthy. Communication. We're sending out an email this week. If you're not getting our emails, please fill out a card. Secondly and finally, and I know this has been long, but it's important. The final update from February is this. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, let's read this together. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As I talked about in February, we will create new pathways for more women and more men to lead and serve in our church. All throughout the Old and New Testament, we consistently see men and women serving and living out their giftedness of the church. A subcommittee from our elders has been meeting on a regular basis and have been planning how we will do this. We've been planning and are excited to implement a lay leadership ministry track for, for people starting this next spring. This track will include training and equipping in the areas of theology, 
doctrine, discipleship, serving, ministry, teaching, and leadership. We want to be a place that equips people like the Bible says we should be. You do not drift into great leadership, into great depth. We want to be attentional. Equipping does not happen by accident. So I am very excited for this much-needed step for you and for our church. To close, let's read the final verse of Psalm 66 with me. It says this. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Let's just take a few moments of quiet before God. God, you are the creator of all things. You are the authority over all things. You accept and hear our prayers. Church, we have gathered together today as a whole We have celebrated with those who are celebrating. Praise be to God. We have mourned with those who are mourning. Praise be to God. We have honored those who have served and are serving. Praise be to God. And we step boldly into the things you would have for us. God, help us to be the church that reflects you, that when people come to draw near to you, they are not confused with busyness and business and activity, but they would truly see as Jesus, as you said, this is my Father's house, a house of prayer, a house to commune with God. God, may we be the place that our community needs to see you, to hear you, to be with you. 